Hi, I'm Tina Waldrum, the host of this podcast. Welcome to you if this is the first time you've listened along. First up, some very exciting news as we head into Christmas. Many people have asked me for some ideas and some practical ways to share their faith. So I've put together an online Christmas course for 2022 to help you. I'll share an outreach-focused devotion each day and give you a very practical idea to reach out to those around you. I'll be online myself each day and chatting with you through the private community. I'd love to meet you. You can access the course at www.evangelisminaustralia.com forward slash Christmas course. A big thank you to everyone who has shown some love to us for the podcast. We are now a finalist for Christian Podcast of the Year. Very, very exciting. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Bree Mills about how she reached her neighbourhood. Fascinating topic. Bree, if you don't know her, is best known for her work in the field of microchurches, um, but is passionate about not getting fixated on a model, but rather mobilising people into the neighbourhood and has done it so well. Welcome to you, Bree. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Fantastic to have you along. So it's just so interesting. We were just talking before the show how we see each other around on social media, but we've never met. So this is so exciting to actually have a chat beforehand and have a chat now. So really looking forward to it. Tell me about your background, Brie, before we talk about how you reached your neighbourhood. What's your church background and where have you been? What have you been doing the last, you know, decade? Yeah, well, my background is in youth ministry. So I came to faith in youth ministry when I was a year nine student. And from that moment, I had a um, a real passion for youth ministry, for reaching young people. And so I actually worked in youth ministry probably for the first 10 plus years in my ministry life. And then, um, yeah, went through this this call and transition into a broader ministry um, with microchurches and, and families and things like that. But yeah, I've spent a lot of my ministry time in, in high schools, in um, youth ministry spaces, and in really in on the ground mission in those sorts of spaces. Yeah, just just fascinating. Love love the story. Love watching everything around that's on the internet about you. So tell me a little bit about this. So I know that you are highly involved and talk a lot about micro churches. However, in our pre-chat, you said to me, actually, it's not about the model. It's about actually how I actually ended up in my community and did something. So how did you even end up in your community? Did God speak to you? Yeah, yeah, he did actually quite boldly and quite clearly. I was actually in the position of uh, I'd taken a year off. I'd had a, a bit of a rough time in ministry and I was coming back into ministry and I had two youth ministry jobs in front of me. And I actually went to a, a prayer night at one of the local church that I was considering working on. We'd kind of been floating in and out of churches and they had this prayer night. I thought, great, God, I'm so frustrated. I don't know which way you want me to go. So I went to this prayer night and I I remember asking God the question, really I was asking, which of these youth ministry jobs do you want me to take? But what came out of my mind or my mouth was, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I think almost in exasperation or in frustration with God's kind of lack of clarity, I just couldn't split the roles. Um, And God gave me this picture, which in all honesty, took me about a year and a half, a year to understand. Um, But it was a picture of 
um, these little square windows that were at our church and people standing in these square windows and literally trying to reach through the windows and take people off the street and drag them into our church. And I remember standing behind them going, what are they doing? They don't fit. They cannot, you cannot fit a person through these little square windows. Um, and then the second part of the picture that God gave me was kind of standing on the corner where our church was, where there's like a main road and a little side road and a group of people actually moving into the middle of the main road and walking down the hill from our church in the middle of the street, knocking on the doors of our neighbourhoods and having them come out and join us as we had this kind of like party celebration festival walking down the street. And I really took that to be a a call from God to kind of move into the neighbourhood. But I'll be honest, it took me ages to kind of work that out. I walked away from that picture going, well, I guess God wants me at this church because that's the picture that I got. So I took that youth ministry job and went on with youth ministry and it took another kind of uh, another picture from God later to remind me of that picture and to kind of refocus me on actually how do I move the church outside of the building and into the neighbourhood. <laughs> what an amazing story. And if I'm honest, yes, when God does speak to you like that, surprisingly, it's it's like, what? It's such a shock that you just kind of sometimes go, oh, well, carry on <laughs> with what I'm doing. <laughs> it was exactly like that. Did you find when you went back into the carry on mode, was that nagging voice, you know, in your mind? Were you thinking about that picture a lot? Honestly, I was for about a month and then I got swept up with the, you know, studying in the youth ministry job, getting into youth ministry and and doing that sort of stuff. I, I almost completely forgot about it. And then probably about, I don't know, it might have been a year into the youth ministry role, maybe not even actually, I went on a prayer and fasting day as part of Arrow uh, leadership and, and got a call that God said, basically, I'm calling you out of youth ministry. And I I, I lost it because so much of my identity at that point was wrapped up in, in my youth ministry role and, and the positions I had around the state and things like that. Um, and it was only like literally it took months after God called me out of youth ministry before I clicked and went, oh, God's actually already given me this ages ago and I just didn't recognise it. Oh, it's so good. I so appreciate your honesty and I'm sure if you're listening today you're having a good bit of a chuckle as well if you've ever had something happen like this to you. So let's talk about that. So what did you do? So now you're feeling this sense, I need to reach my neighbourhood, I need to get into my neighbourhood. What did you do? What did the journey look like? Yeah, so we've been playing around with some things that we call missional communities in youth ministry. So we've been moving and changing our model of youth ministry, which was based on something that I'd experimented in a, in a small church many years before, before any of those kind of words were popularised. And at some point along the line, we worked out that what we were doing aligned with these things called missional communities. So we basically, um, I felt called to be doing something in and around our home, in and around our local area. And we live right near Gels Park. So if you know Melbourne, that's kind of a big family connection space. Um, and so we kind of looked for the people who wanted to come with us and to actually start to to meet families in the park, to, to meet in our homes and just to try what it looks like to bring the church outside the building. And, and in, in all honesty, the way that we did that initially was pick up a few things and put them in our house and, and call that, you know, a missional community or a uh, a, a new form of church when we were really we were still doing all the same things and we hadn't really worked out 
how we go about reaching our community. But the first step, I think, genuinely was to step outside the building and to actually start meeting in a different space. And we started doing things like regular rhythms of hanging out in our local park, in Jealous Park, and just being at the same place at the same time, you know, five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, we'd be there, we'd have a barbecue, and we'd actually start to get to know people who frequented there or friends of ours that we wanted to connect with knew that if they wanted to connect with us, we're there five o'clock, Jells Park at the Oaks picnic area every week. And so we just started to build some of those sorts of rhythms of being regularly out and about in our community. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, sometimes you do have to kind of draw the the line in the sand, don't you, and kind of force yourself or or get a group that are interested to actually stop being inside of the church or stop meeting with people that are already believers, so to speak, and to actually get out there. So so what happened? You started <laughs> you started seeing regular people and tell us tell us some of the stories that were happening back then. Yeah. Well, one of the the first ones was a a local family that just lived around the corner from us that I started um, connecting with. Um, They had a Christian history in the past but hadn't been connected to anywhere for a long time. Um, Very quickly their kids became connected and, um, yeah, they became kind of the glue that connected the whole family into what we were doing. Um, And so we just started building these rhythms where we would regularly connect with people both outside and usually firstly outside so we'd connect with them at a park or we'd connect with them in a in a space where they belong where they feel I guess if you like it's their space um and then we'd offer that have really a lot of food a lot of hospitality a lot of um parties around around the table and things like that and just build deep relationships and it and it depends in, in various instances where we've done this. It's, it's all happened quite differently. But it's really started with that desire just to be present in community, to be starting to be just listening in community, listening to what God's saying, listening to what God's already doing and trusting that he is there and he's already doing stuff. And then actually working out, well, how do we? how is God asking us to serve in this space? So our first instinct isn't how do I convert the people that are out here, but actually how do I serve? What are their needs? And our first missional community became really clear that the main needs that we were addressing were loneliness. Like there was just people who didn't have friendship groups, who didn't have communities around them, and we created that sense of extended family that they didn't have. Um, and that was a really powerful thing to, to demonstrate the gospel, I guess, is to demonstrate that kind of oikos that just doesn't exist for some people, especially in our kind of transient society. And so that usually became the starting point for a lot of conversations and and things from there. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, just that um, whole sense of loneliness and isolation that's out there now. I mean, I know just even yesterday in Sydney there was a report in the newspaper saying in Sydney just the number one need of loneliness, which was just absolutely striking. So meeting the needs, working out where you can serve or or being there, present in the community is what you're saying. We, we went out, we were present at the same place every week. We started to hear what God was saying what he was showing us, how we could serve, then what what developed from there? Because I know that you talk about microchurches, but it's not like you went in thinking, I'm having a microchurch mindset. You actually, the microchurch is kind of the product of this journey of what you went on, which is 
really what I want to make sure we really get that today as we as we talk about this. It's not the model. This articulated somewhere into something that could help disciple people. So what happened after this? What happened next as you started to build relationships? Because the goal is, is, is it breed to make disciples? Well, absolutely. I think, and, and I would even say beyond that, the goal is to equip disciples to participate in God's mission in the world. So it's not just about actually kind of bringing people onto God's team, but actually then releasing them into his world. And so I, I think from starting to gather and, and do relationships, I mean, once we got the sense of that real missional vision that in our first community, it was our call is to be family to those who don't have family and to actually fill that space and to demonstrate that. And that just that just took off at one point. We had up to about 50 people um, meeting in our lounge room. And, yeah, and so we started engaging in discipleship practices. So some of that looks like um, what we'd now call discovery Bible studies, but at the time it was like, hey, you want to read the Bible with me and we'll just see what Jesus might say. Um, or, I mean, one of the things that I'm finding effective over and over and over again in this space is actually saying to people, when we have spiritual conversations, they're quick to talk about the church and to what they know about the church. And the moment I differentiate and say, well, what do you know about Jesus? Because, you know, that sh- those two things should align, but sometimes they don't. And sometimes we know a lot about the church and very little about the Je- Jesus. Do you want to read the Bible with me? And we'll just talk about the person of Jesus, kind of push the church aside for a moment. Let's just talk about who Jesus is, what he did, and, and what do you think of the person of Jesus? And then people are quite open to reading the Bible with you in that space. So we'd often do that in twos or threes. Um, And then we built things called, we call them discipleship groups. Um, There were spaces where people could actually get their head around what does it mean to follow Jesus and then actually be equipped to do that with others. So they kind of often went from this pathway of these, these small discovery Bible study groups into actually making disciples through these discipleship huddles where we actually started to teach and to train and to encourage people to live like Jesus and then I guess that's that's when we realised we had micro churches, <laughs> but they kind of they kind of arise out of that process of making disciples. You know, when you move into community and you love and you serve and people come to faith and and disciples are made, well, then you have the church. You actually don't need to plant the church in that context. That's that is the church. Disciples of Jesus gathering together, involving themselves, and you know all of the elements of what it is to to live the life of Christ. So. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the process that we see. And we see that purpose is happening again and again in different microchurches around the place, that actually it's it's in that process of as you go about making disciples, you see these little churches arise. I had a great conversation with a woman recently in Brisbane who accidentally planted a church without the permissions that she needed from relevant authorities. But it was an, it was an accidental church plant. Like, you know, I was just serving in my neighbourhood and people were coming to faith and so we discipled them. And so then we kind of ended up with a house church. I'm like, yep, that's actually a really good model. I see that in the New Testament all the time. That's how this goes. And it's a great model, isn't it? Because it's so um, difficult to invite people not all of the time, but a lot of the time, it is difficult to invite people to, an, I say, an existing church model. I'm not saying always because I actually love all forms of churches, but mm. there does seem to be in my world more and more people that find that a difficult, <laughs> difficult thing to do, to go from, you know, if, if they want to know about Jesus and they've got to actually come with me to a an existing type of church model rather than just, oh, let's just chat about this, let me do the discipling myself. Yeah, and I think there is still a, a, 
a, a, a segment of Australia that will happily come to church if you invite them, and I, and I think we should invite them and involve ourselves in that sort of space. But there is an increasing segment that are suspicious, really suspicious of institutions. But I tell you what, if you can demonstrate the gospel and you can demonstrate the gospel relevance to them in terms of the way you live and the way um, that you live that life that's curious, that that evokes questions, um, then there's no shortage of spiritual conversations to be had. Like I don't find that a hard thing to start with people. Most people I don't even initiate. Like I have this kind of internal rule of, you know, people initiate spiritual conversations with me twice, then I'll invite them to a discovery Bible study. But most of the time, I'm not the one actually initiating those conversations. We're just living in ways that cause people to go, well, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm discovering that myself. I spend a lot of time in the basketball community these days because one of our kids is highly involved. And it's it's fascinating just to chat with people and the viewpoint that we bring or the way the church acts when the church is salt and light. It's so salty (laughs) and so light. And uh, you you see that with with the reactions that you get from people and what they have to say. The exciting thing about this episode today, Brie, is that um, first time ever we've done this, but we're actually going to turn this episode into a little small group study so that people can actually download and I'll put some questions there from our discussion today and link to lots of different resources that you have that could help people also in this space. So that's exciting. Jump into the show notes and you'll see that um, today. But what I want to know, Bree, is you now have a lot of experience in this space. I mean, your story alone is just so exciting. I could talk to you forever. As you look back, what are the things that have become really crystal clear for you when you think, okay, if I want to reach my neighbourhood, this is one or two things that are just absolutely, they, they have, to, have to be a part of the mix? I think you have to genuinely love your neighbourhood and not just love them so that they'll come join you in what you're doing. I mean, you have to genuinely have your heart break for your neighbourhood and you have to sometimes... The way that happens is that you serve in that community until God breaks your heart for that community. So a more recent kind of um, one that we're doing, our current kind of microchurch that we're part of is part of a neighbourhood house. And, um, you know, I've heard some great things going on um, at the neighbourhood house and we've kind of stepped in to get involved. and, And there's been a few places where we've tried to serve and it hasn't really worked. But more recently I was talking to someone who's involved in it just about the what happened in this kind of area, in this neighbourhood house. So it's this lovely little area of Melbourne. Um, you know, the freeway went through it and basically divided and kind of destroyed the texture of society. Their kinder shut down, their school shut down, and kids are kind of shipped out to all these different schools in different spaces. And there is just they've just lost the fabric of communities connecting together. And when this person was sharing that story with me of what happened to this neighbourhood, like, my heart said, gosh, even if no one in that neighbourhood comes to Christ, I want to help that neighbourhood kind of reconnect as families and communities because that is so important in my mind that you have neighbours around you who are going to love and support you, that kids know the people in their street and that there is that sense of connection and community. So I would work towards that end even if I knew that nobody would ever decide to come and follow Jesus because of because that's just what God has kind of placed on my heart to do. And so I think that is that is really key. 
it, this is not an agenda. This is not a program or a process to kind of, you know, build up the numbers in your church or reach, you know, X many people in so many days. This is an, an example of what does it mean to love like Jesus in our neighbourhoods. And I think you have to go in with that heart. And you got to find the places you love. Like we connected with this kind of community because we walked there for coffees during lockdown a lot because they were like within our local 5K zone when we're all, you know, Melbourne was locked down to those sort of tight spaces. And there's a little cafe there we love that like sells local work and local makers work. And it was just, it's just a beautiful community-oriented space that captivated our heart. Um and I think you've got to find those things for you. Like there's been periods in my life where um, like a little while ago I was working with our local cricket club and I was really passionate about it because of the role of women that they were starting to, to push and they asked for my help to do that. And there was, there was just a desire to see women valued in the cricket club as much as men. Like I genuinely wanted to bring that about. I thought that was God's kingdom work in that space. So I think you've got to find those things that are genuinely your love and God's love for this place. I um, I sometimes talk about, you know, it's got to be good for you, it's got to be good for the community, and it's got to be good for the kingdom. And when those three things align, that's a good place to start actually working and start investing and seeing what God's doing in that space. Um, so that, that's probably one thing is to really let this be a heart thing, which means opening your heart to allow God to break it for something. Um and then I think the other one is it's it's you've got to be intentional when it comes to disciple making. I think a lot of our churches assume disciple making happens just when people come to church on Sunday or if I hang out in the pub with all these people and I'm all relational and Christian discipleship will just happen um, and it doesn't. And I've seen so many micro churches, missional communities, simple churches that just have reached a lot of people but they've just reached a lot of people. They haven't actually gone anywhere with that. And I think realising that discipleship is an intentional ask, not that you're forcing people to do it, but you are genuinely offering, if you want to explore Jesus, I'm happy to do that with you and I'll walk with you through that process. But there has to be that intentional kind of step, like I was saying before, you know, two spiritual questions to me and two spiritual conversations and you'll get the, hey, have you ever wanted to read the Bible a bit? I'm happy to sit there and do it with you. And I will. I'll put the time aside and I'll prioritise that in my calendar to do that. Um, so they're probably two of the really key things. I think we see the mistakes we see in some kind of people who step into this space are either you go with an agenda and Australians sniff that out like crazy. Like if you were walking into, you know, like a neighbourhood house like we are and, you know, clearly coming with your own agenda, like the doors will be closed to you. Australian communities just not up for that. And then the other mistake I see is just the lack of intentional disciple making, but not with a program or a set, you know, formula with whatever works for those people. So even the process of discipleship has to be contextualised to those you're going to reach. So how I would disciple people in this neighbourhood house as opposed to how I would have discipled families that we were reaching out in Scoresby when we started out there, they're going to look a bit different and that's okay, but it needs to be actually an intentional thought-out process. Yeah. It really sounds like to me, Brie, that it's really an extension of who you are. Like you're not asking me or anybody that would be listening today to add on another 50 hours of work to your life. This is really, it's an extension of, of spaces that I'm already in. Is, is that how you see it? Completely. I actually think it's about the integration of your life. 
So instead of having our church life over here and our friends here and our school mums here and our basketball mums or in you know, my case, the, you know, the musical theatre mums, instead of having all these groups differently, I, I, I bring all of those together. This is who I am. So, you know, we've got a, a gathering coming up at our house soon um, that has, you know, the mums from the netball team that's related to the neighbourhood house. They're coming along with those as long as with some other mums that are all part of all these. And, and it's just all one. And that's church. Like, you know, it's just a party and it's just meeting people. But for me, that's 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 me living out my faith really intentionally. Um, so for me, I think it's actually caused me to spend less time doing church things and more time doing what I love and what I think God created me to do, um, but doing that with the intentionality of someone who actually takes seriously what does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ. Yes, very exciting. And, you know, lots of people ask me the question, well, okay, great, I'm excited about that, but how how do I go about that now? Like what are some things that could help me? And that's where I'm excited that we will, in this little small group study that we're producing for people, we'll put some links in there to some great resources that you have around that space, Brie, that will be really helpful because that is such a big question. People are, I'm all up for it. I know how to connect with my neighbours. I can connect with them. Yes, I want this to be an extension of who I am. But, ah, oh, what do I do now when they do want to actually read the Bible with me? That's where we can get a little bit, um, ah, oh, not sure. So this is this will be really fantastic uh, for people. So all of that will be in the show notes. Uh, we'll drop everything to all the microchurch spaces that Bree's involved in with her work, recent work with Exponential in Australia will also be there all other spaces Bree's personal website all of that all the social media Bree I just can't get enough of everything that you've got to say what do you want to say that I haven't given you an opportunity before we finish uh today yeah um I guess the the one thing that I'm not sure we've we've highlighted yet is that it's really important to do this together with others um like Jesus says you know by your love for one another people know you're my disciples and he's talking to his disciples and he's saying you know I think the power and in, in, in part what we're doing, even in the neighbourhood house, there's a couple of us who are going together and people see the way we relate differently and and then they that that's action actually often the questions, even the questions of how do you two know each other so well? You seem to really, you know, um, and so that begins some conversation. So I think that it's, it's important to encourage people to find someone to go with them. Like whether that's the you know musical theatre scene, the the basketball mums. My guess is there's another believer somewhere there, or maybe you even know someone who's willing to just come with you because they love you and they support you and they want to be with you in that space and learn from you. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important. This is not about a whole lot of solo heroes building their own churches. This is something that we do in community, and the healthiest way we can do it is in community and even in relationship with existing churches. Like I love it when micro churches are kind of planted or spun off from existing churches, and they hold that relationship just for support and accountability. Like we are, we are one body of Christ, and whatever we can do to keep that connection and community, I think is really healthy, even if we have like a thousand different forms that all look different. Um, so yeah, so that'd be my encouragement. Find someone to go with you or who wants to do this with you and do it together. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Bree. Um, I look forward to putting all of the links so that people can stay connected and we can be more resourced. Thank you for your time. No worries, mate. It's been great to chat. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Win Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.